Hey, Pastor Freddie T here. Thanks for listening to the Real Life Podcast. Pastor Timmy and I continue our series on our mission, vision, strategy, and values. You guys, I am loving taking a deep dive on our values. I hope you're loving it half as much as I am. We pre-recorded these. I'm on vacation right now, uh, but I'm so glad you're tuning in. I can't wait to see you when I get back. Uh, But thanks for listening to the podcast. I pray that this session of Margin for Mission really stirs your spirit. Enjoy the podcast. Hey folks, you've heard about community groups, but have you considered hosting or facilitating a community group? As our church grows, we need more folks that are willing to step forward. Listen, beyond a need, it's a massive opportunity for you to be mightily used of God, perhaps in a way that you never dreamed possible. Hosts open up their homes, welcome folks in once a week for community groups. Facilitators don't teach a Bible study, rather they guide discussion They guide discussion with questions that we provide. So would you right now text MISSION to 97000 and let us know that you're interested in hosting or facilitating, or perhaps both, a community group this fall? This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast! Timmy, what's up, man? Hey, I'm kind of getting tired of how I open the podcast. Yeah, but I don't think there's any going back because <laughs> people are so used to it that like it's going to just, it'll be like a, a pebble in their shoe if you don't say it. You know what, man? It, I, w- <laughs> I wonder if you've ever heard anything like this. It was a little bit, um, I, I, was, I was in a workshop once and what they said was people adjust to the preaching. In other words, if the preaching's bad, people adjust, and that's what they're going to expect. Right, right. And if the preaching's really, really great, people adjust, and it's what they're going to expect. Preaching is a thermostat, not a thermometer. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, yeah perhaps. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, and I just thought, oh man, like if I really hone my craft in preaching. That's what people are going to expect. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. You raise the bar and like, oh man. Why was I saying that? Oh, what I was going to say was, is if I change the opening to the podcast, people will adjust. (laughs) They will. And that's what they'll expect. You might just hear it for a little bit. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, too legit, too legit to quit. Hey, hey, (laughs) that'd be a good opening. Daniel, you have an edit button, right? Let's get ready to rumble. You have the ability to like cut and copy and paste. We could do Eye of the Tiger. I'm, I'm trying, dun, Daniel. I, dun, I can't stop dun, him. Dun, I can't stop dun, him. Dun, dun. Hey, <laughs> if, to, if this is the first podcast you've ever heard, I promise you there is substance coming. That's it. It's not just me and Timmy's goofy laugh. Like we've got substance coming. <laughs> I feel like I feel like that was directed at me, man. <laughs> Every, you've got the most amazing laugh. <laughs> Um, I, I think I told you this. One of my kids, I think it was Lily or Elliot, they volunteered. Like we weren't even talking about you, but they they brought up around the table one night. Uh, Have you heard Pastor Timmy's laugh? It's <laughs> <laughs> great. It's like Dad, I saw this video on YouTube. You gotta watch. Or 
jars of clay. <laughs> I know. Yeah. T- t- tell folks about that. That's pretty yeah, good. So, I mean, years ago, there's a Christian artist named the, the group jars of clay. They were really big. I think in the nineties, they like, were really good. They were, yeah, really, yeah, really good mainstream, you know, music. And, and they had one really good album. And at oh, the beginning, yeah. one of their songs, I started getting a bunch of like, you know, like people reaching out. Have you heard this song? Cause it sounds, I mean, identically my laugh. What's the song? Oh, is it boy on a mirror? Boy on a string. What? Something. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Boy, boy on, on a string. string. Yeah. Um, and boy what's the mirror. album called? Uh, is it jars of clay? I think, I think it's is just it like their, self-titled I think album. So. It's the one with flood on it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. if you've heard, heard pastor Timmy's laugh, it's like, <laughs> it, it's, it's hard to convince anyone that that's not his laugh on the beginning pretty, of that song. Pretty identical. It's, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Timmy, thanks for being on the podcast. It, I, I so love talking life and ministry with you. It's fun. I really love talking real life, mission, vision, strategy, and values. That's what we've been doing. We're in the middle of a series and uh, we're pre-recording these, uh, yep. so I don't know when this one would drop. Like what, four weeks? From, uh, like toward the end of July, right? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. Like that. yeah, yeah. And I love it. We're talking about margin for mission, and literally, as as you're listening to this right now, you will be living out this value, getting some much much needed rest. So if you're listening to this, want to encourage you pray pray for our pastor pray Thank for Freddie and Susan and the entire family that they can get recharged Thank and you, brother. Uh, get back and you know for another another season that's what I'm praying over you Thank you it's the greatest gift anybody can give me is praying yeah. for me and the family um, we've got some different things on the docket headed to Atlanta to watch Jack play uh, uh, baseball Susan and I are headed to Tulum Mexico a place we visited once before that we really love so um, Timmy thank you for preaching while I'm gone yeah I know the folks are going to be really blessed. They're probably going to be a little let down when I come back. No, you know, not but, at uh, all. They'll uh, be ready, man. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm really excited to be talking about today our values. And an organization's values, they can be both actual and aspirational. Right. So, um, and, and what that means is every organization has values. Your family has values. Your business has values. Um, our church has values. Every organization has values. Um, sometimes they're unspoken. Right. Uh, sometimes they're they're actual. And sometimes they're written up on a board as that's what we want our values to be. Mm. I think I think with our four values at real life, they're both actual and aspirational. Right. Right. Um, I think on some level we're living these values out. I think that's where we've experienced the blessing of God. We've seen effective ministry take place. Um, but on another level, the values are aspirational. So we keep them in front of us, and we preach on them, and we talk about them, and we record podcasts about them um, so that we can more faithfully embody these values right. in the life of a church. Well, what, what are values and why are they important? Well, as a reminder, um, values are the manner in which we go about our ministry. So um, we've got community groups, but how do we do community groups? We, uh, we reach out to schools. We've got an outreach to four schools. But how do we go about our ministry to these schools? Um, we've got dozens of ministry teams that serve on Sunday mornings. Well, how do these ministry teams go about their work? We've got staff that lead different ministries. How do we go about that? Where well, our values answer the question, how do we go about that? And... Um, we have four values at Real Life. Timmy, on the spot, can you can you list our four values? Sure. Uh, equip and empower. That was the first podcast we recorded. 
of our values, equipment and power. Truth and grace and relationships. Truth and grace and relationships. We like to say it as grace and truth and relationships. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Shake it off. Shake it off. <laughs> I love it. And then uh, to that, what we're doing today, margin for mission. Margin for mission and... Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Excellent. Margin for mission. Um, Timmy, I have observed that the average family is overcommitted. They've said yes to too many things. They're living out the proverbial keeping up with the Joneses. Uh, they don't necessarily experience it in that way, uh, but they're looking around and trying to keep up. And they're just coming up Friday night for air. That's what I've observed in the average modern family. Um, uh, they use words like things are crazy. Right. Things are busy. Things are insane. And we seem to see a different emphasis when we see the scriptures. We see Jesus say things like, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Mm. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. We see the rhythm of the Sabbath, right? Built into the Ten Commandments, this rhythm of, of rest. The, the scripture in Psalm 46.10 says, be still. Another version of that says, cease striving. Mm. Be still and know that I am God. So the frantic life, the frazzled life, the busy life is not the life. It's not the abundant life that Jesus is calling us to. So good. Yeah. And and would you say, I, I feel like this is one of those where people almost in in the Christian world, there's a wink and a nod to like somehow th- it's okay. Like we would never do this with anything else. You know, we would never be like, uh, you know, oh yeah, I got drunk, you know, the other day in church. We wouldn't say that, but like somehow with busyness, it just seems like part of the accepted culture of like, oh, yep, I'm busy. Are you busy? Yep, I'm busy. And it just becomes this sort of thing like, oh, we're all in this together. And what you're saying is that's not like what what Christians, how Christians should operate, if I'm hearing you right. Yeah, well, I think, I think sometimes under the busyness is pride that does not acknowledge our limitations. How so? Well... You know, you, I mean, you look at Jesus, and when Jesus came to this earth as a human, he was hungry, mm. he was tired, he took a nap, he had three really, really, really close friends, and then he had 12 that were pretty close, and then he interacted with and ministered to the masses. Um, but you see a limitation in his humanity of the amount of close friends he could have. You see a, a limitation in his humanity and that he went to sleep at night. He His body needed a certain number of hours of sleep. And so I think in our pride, we think we can fill our calendars beyond what we can. We think we have less limitations. Um, and, and as a result, we fill our lives with too much it stresses us out. It burns us out. It causes us to be irritable. Uh, we justify it in the name of we're giving our kids the best life that we want to give them. We're, we justify it in we, well, we want to make money and you know do good things with the money. You know what? However, it's just we a season, it. and it's almost over. I mean, that's right. I hear the that perpetual, never-ending season. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of seasons. Yeah. right. I think yeah, Ecclesiastes yeah. three really 
reinforces this idea of seasons. I've maintained sanity in life by seeing life in seasons. Yep. Um, but you, yeah, you can use that language uh, to be really be committed to an unsustainable and unhealthy pace and lifestyle. I think, Timmy, we've got to be careful because God has given different people different temperaments and different capacities, right? Sure. And uh, different personalities. And so, you know, you take my wife and myself. Well, my wife's a homebody, and I'm a people person, out-on-the-town kind of a person, right. right? So if you were just kind of observing us, um, it would you would probably say, well, she embodies margin, you know, better. Well, that's probably true, but at the same time, we just have different temperaments and personalities as right. well. So you got to be careful not to get like legalistic, yep. you know, yep. about somebody that looks like they have a really, really busy life. So that's not what we're trying to do today. We're not trying to say the holy life, the blessed life, the good life uh, is doing less than everybody else, right? right? right. So we're, we're not trying to say compare yourself to everybody else and be less busy than everybody else. That's not what we're saying. We're saying let's have an honest conversation about our own limitations um, and about the way God wants to bless us. Yep. So would you say then that margin looks different for different people based on temperament to a degree? Because like you're, sure. you're going to draw energy Absolutely. from being in relationship and with other people, whereas that might be draining for somebody Absolutely. else. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Self-awareness is key in everything, sure. right? And so, um, you know, so, so for example, if somebody's an extrovert and they draw energy from people, well, if they're going to have margin in their life to give to other people, then they've got to make sure they're spending some time with people. Yeah. Right. To yeah. get to, to be fueled. Um, my, my sweet wife, she's an Enneagram nine, which she describes as she starts each day with a certain amount of energy. Yep. And, and when, just... when that cup is poured out, it's done. <laughs> and, uh, I'm I, the way I'm wired is <laughs> I, was telling ramp a, up. <laughs> I was telling a pastor buddy the other day, I was like, I can get a second wind and a third wind and a fourth wind and a fifth wind and a sixth wind. And there's a number of things that can like give yep. me those winds. Um, and yet at the same time, what we're saying about margin and the wisdom of margin is that I might get those third, fourth, fifth, sixth winds. But if I step until midnight, my body is going to feel it. Yep. And that's where pride and even foolishness can just lead us to not acknowledging our limitations. So we can find ourselves in these cycles of burnout, right? It's interesting um, uh, for pastors taking sabbaticals. I, I hope to take a sabbatical in a, you know, when we maybe get done building the building, right? Yep. You and I have talked about you taking a sabbatical. Sabbatical is an extended time away for a variety of reasons for pastors because the nature of our work is soul work, Sometimes we've got to get away for an extended period of time to strengthen the soul right? so that right. we can go the long haul in ministry. So sabbaticals, um, sabbaticals are important, but, but I think that there's been kind of a, a healthy um, nuancing of sabbaticals uh, from pastors saying, um, why don't we be careful not to live at such breakneck paces where we're desperate for sabbaticals. 
It's good. You know, yeah, yeah. like I, I'm going to burn out if I don't get a sabbatical, right? Like let sabbaticals live and be what they need to be proactively. Let's do some deep study. Let's, you know, the, let's really refresh the soul, but let's not live in such a way that we have to have a sabbatical or we're going to be absolutely, you know, burned out. Love that. Yeah. yeah. I heard, uh, I think it was John Mark Comer talked about the difference in working from our rest as opposed to resting from our work. And it's, it's exactly what you just said. Ooh, like, say that again. I th- yeah. So like the difference between working out of our rest versus resting out of our work. Yeah, and, and he talked about the difference of like, it's exactly what you said is like our, our default tends to be, I'm going to work like nonstop until I hit a wall. And the, the, but by the time we hit a wall, it's too late. And that's where, that's where, you know, we get breakdown, burnout, all those sorts of things as opposed to working out of our rest was, which isn't just like time margin. It's a disposition, right. Of abiding in Christ. And, you know, it's, I think you said Psalm 46 earlier, like being still and knowing that he is God. And so out of that disposition, we work Yeah, and it's out of a very different place. It's so good, man. Um, John Mark Comer wrote the book, the ruthless elimination of hurry. So we'll list, uh, that in the show notes, that's a great, as we think about margin, that's a great title good, to yeah. read, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer and um, former pastor uh, of church in Portland, Oregon, and he's now stepped away from that and is leading a ministry where he's doing a lot more writing. Yeah. Um, for us as a church, Timmy, the, the value margin for mission uh, means a couple of things. Uh, one, it means as pastors and elders and staff in our church, we want to fight with and for our people to secure margin in their own personal lives. Yeah, uh, We know that the current of the culture is leading them to say yes to everything, to fill their lives with endless activity, um, to get ahead, to get ahead, to be the best in all of these things. And we know that we're not designed as human beings to have limitless activity. So we want to fight with and for our people to secure margin in their lives because we believe this is the the abundant life that Jesus part of the abundant life that Jesus calls us to, and we believe that it leads to flourishing, um, which is our vision as a church. So we want to fight to secure margin in their own individual individual lives, but then as a church, we want to program our church activity with margin. Is this why we don't have a list of like, here are the 30 programs that you can sign, you know, be a part of in our church. Like we're not, we don't seem to be that church. It seems very simple in in what we do. Is that kind of the idea? Absolutely. So for example, we're not going to have a senior citizen ministry, right? We might do a senior event. We're not going to have a men's ministry. We might do some men's events. We might do a men's retreat. Um, But we're not going to create a ministry that has a ministry team that has to meet once a month and come together and take time around a table planning ministry because that's what we're supposed to do. Mm. Our, Our dream, I said this as we were launching the church, our dream as a church is for our people to know their neighbors' fears, hopes, and dreams. I've got this story that I tell all the time, Timmy, of... There was this man that was interested in being a part of our church, but he but he had questions. I didn't know him. He didn't know me, so we were getting to know each other. We were over coffee, and I told him, I said, I think the greatest way we're going to serve Clarksville is by offering friendship. 
And he just kind of cocked his head and said, huh, I'm going to have to think about that. Mm. And this guy, he was the kind of guy that the bigger the project was, the more fired up he got. And he had come from a church that just did these like citywide projects that got written up in the newspapers, which like those are great. But that's what he lived for, mm. right? And he was like, man, let's just pull out all the stops and let's just do the the big giant project. And um, and I'm telling him, well, I think the greatest way we're going to serve Clarksville is not with these big projects, but individually offering friendship. He cocks his head and says, huh, I'm going to have to think about that. Well, two weeks later, two weeks later, his next door neighbor commits suicide. Mm. 19-year-old man, and he did not know his name. So for him, this wow. this light bulb of this aha light bulb goes off of, oh, I get it. I see it. Timmy, when we were in New York City at, at the gallery church, let's say we, my family mm-hmm. and I, New York City stopped putting on the uh, Central Park Easter egg hunt. They had done it for years and then they stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. So we as a new little church said, oh, we'll take it on. We'll do it. You know, we'll keep it going. So we take on this mantle to do this gigantuous Easter egg hunt where people from all five boroughs come, thousands of people come, and it took every single person in our church to put on this Easter egg hunt. I can imagine. It was a thing of wonder to stand back and watch it. Yep. And it was a, certainly it was a great blessing to the city and kids are running everywhere and all of that. But, Timmy, it took every ounce of manpower to put the event on. Mm. And the level of meaningful connections that we made with people were virtually none. Wow. So we did an event. It blessed them, but it but it, it gave us no uh, effective, meaningful touches. Meanwhile, another church led by a, another pastor who I love, uh, J.R. Vassar, yeah. uh, was leading Apostles Church on the other side of the island. And they were doing a small neighborhood Easter egg hunt. Mm. And the inroads that they made in their community were significant. Wow. And so that's a little bit of a parable, living parable, real life story uh, of, of, of how doing the giant event eliminated the margin we needed to connect with the people. Right, right. Doing a smaller event across the island gave that church the margin that they needed to have slowed down meaningful look-me-in-the-eye conversations. So good. And so that that illustrates for us what we're aiming at as our church. We don't want to do ministry after ministry after ministry after ministry after ministry mm. and not have those deep, meaningful connections in our ministry. I can imagine that's that takes almost an act of resistance, right? Yes. Because, like, I mean, the natural inclination of, of churches in general is, oh, I want this. Okay, well, let's, let's run with that as well. So I can imagine it takes a lot of living in and leaning into those values to make that a reality or else it just very quickly can spin out of control. Absolutely. You know? Well, we've got, we've got a brilliant church. We've got lots and lots of sharp people in our church. And I say all the time, um, we're going to be able to dream up some amazing ideas and we're going to say no to most of them. Yeah. Now, now Timmy... I hold this value in tension with equipment and power. Because when we talked about equipment and power, what I said is we want to give people permission. When people bring an idea and say, I've got this idea, I want to, I want to run with this idea, we want, we want to say, yes, 
here's 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 where here's the defining clarity is we want people to feel empowered to pursue the Holy Spirit inspired and Holy Spirit nudges that are on their heart to pursue particular ministries. Mm. We don't want to start big ministries as a church that are programmed and run by the staff that that only perpetuate and cultivate a more consumeristic mindset in the church. Right. Right. So so we're not putting on ministries as a staff team for the church to consume. We're equipping the staff to pursue the ministry that God is putting in front of them and burdening their heart for in an organic way, but we're not wanting to program it and organize it and say, y'all come yeah. and, and do all this. I, I love that. And the picture that came to my mind, I, I can imagine people having to have a paradigm shift in how they think about even what church is, because what you're saying is still church. It may just not be what people think. People may think if it's not in the church program or the bulletin or the website that it's not church, but by activating people to do ministry in their neighborhood or in their workplace, that's still church. It's it's the church being the church in the community. Yes. Is that is that kind of what you're saying there? Absolutely. So what we said when we were launching the church is we, it's our dream for our church, the people in our church, because that is the church. Yeah. The people in our church to know their neighbors' fears, hopes, and dreams. Love that. And then you've got this story of the man that doesn't know his neighbor's name, much less his fears, hopes, and dreams. So the fears, hopes, and dreams is a vision for what we want to see. Um, well, the only way for people to accomplish that is if they have margin. Yep. The only way we're going to be able to become a church where you know your neighbor's fears, hopes, and dreams, you know them well, you love them well, uh, is if we have margin in our own personal lives and in our church programming. In other words, in a couple of years, Timmy, we'll be in a building. And yes. the, tempta- the temptation uh, is going to be we want to have a different event every night of the week in the building. And and I will say the building is going to be a phenomenal resource, and there's going to be lots of wonderful discipleship activity taking place in that building night after night after night. But what we're saying is, is it's not our desire that the same person is at the building every night of the week. Right. We want them in their neighborhood, in the front yard, in the backyard, at the ballpark, at the gym, at the park, like incarnationally being present yeah. in the, in the community. And the only way for that to happen is if, is if we have, is if we have margin simple. in the post in their own personal lives and in the yeah. life as a church. Yeah. So margin for mission, the big scripture text that jumps out at me, mm-hmm. uh, or and I say jumps out at me. This is <laughs> the, the real scripture that has informed this value for us is the parable of the good Samaritan. Timmy, I'm going to read this. Mm-hmm. And just when I read, when I get done reading this, I want you just to tell me, where did you see margin Mm -hmm. in the parable of Good Samaritan's life? So the parable parable of Good Samaritan is found in Luke 10. So again, where did we get this value? Well, we didn't just pull it out as as a clever method. We said, what do we see in the sacred scriptures as what kind of people are we to be? Um, And in part, and what does the world need? And in part, where have we got it wrong, right? Right. Yeah, so right. so, um, so here we go. And, and behold, a lawyer stood up 
to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he said, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the other place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. You go and do likewise. Timmy, that's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, The parable of the Good Samaritan has transcended church circles. Yeah. Like that phrase is a known phrase in the world um, because it's such a vivid, beautiful picture of care, of compassion. Um, Jesus tells this parable to this this person that's wanting to know about eternal life. He tells this story. And the story illustrates how because, because this good Samaritan had margin, he was able to care uh, for mm. this, this, this person that was beat and left for dead. What, what jumps out at you here? I mean, there's a lot. I think the first is the disposition and the mindset he had to be fully present, you know, because I, I can imagine... Um, the other ones that pass by maybe are thinking about their theology, but maybe they're also thinking about the destination and how often we do the same thing of like, Oh, I'm on to the next thing. But the ability to be fully present and saying like, where is God at work here? And where am I going to join him in that work? And you so it's a, so it's a mindset of margin. It's a mindset of margin first. Yeah. And, but to have that mindset, I feel like you also have to have margin in other areas, which we see as well, which, you know, you, we see, margin in his resources and his money to be able to give extravagantly in a situation like this margin of his time. And so I feel like without having those other pieces of margin, it's really hard to be fully present because we're always thinking about what's next and we're, we're operating at a deficit as opposed, as opposed to margin. So that's, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Operating at a deficit. Yeah. That's a really good description of what I observe in so many people. Mm. they're operating at a deficit, not ministry out of the overflow. Yeah. And you said something the other Sunday, I think before the service even started about the idea of outpacing our intimacy leading to burnout. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, um, you know, it's sometimes in churches, the, 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 
it get the the phrase getting burned out right. gets tossed around kind of flippantly and easily. And I kind of push back on that a little bit um, because a lot of times people talk about, you know, getting burned out. I don't want to get burned out and all that. And I just shared with uh, some of our team, I said, um, I said, Hey, burnout doesn't come from when we serve Jesus too much. Right. Burnout comes from when our, our service outpunts our intimacy. Right. You know, in, in other words, it's our intimacy with Jesus that fuels our ministry. And that's the overflow that you're talking about. That's because right. We're, we're, that's we're getting right. so much from God in, in so many different ways that it just overflows. That's right. So there's a margin there as that's well. That's right. That's right. People may wonder, what is margin? Well, when you think about the old, like, eight, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that we wrote on in grade school, uh, you know, modern kids may not know anything about this, but you had the, the three punched holes and you had like the little, the little red line down the, down the page there was like the margin, right? Yep. And over on the margin, there was nothing written. There was no, so, so the, so you only wrote on the other side of the margin. That's good. So, so in other words, in other words, there was free space. There was free space. Well, if you're not walking with Jesus, you're not going to have any free space to serve. Like when you serve, it's all going to be filled up. Your capacity is going to be full immediately. You're going to be operating at a deficit. Yeah. So the vision is is that our our emotional capacity, the vision is is our time, our money, just like the parable of the Good Samaritan. He has he a mindset of my life is not filled to the edges. I've got some margin. And I've got some margin so that I can respond to what God is doing right in front of me. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, sometimes Timmy, that requires like planning rest, planning downtime, mm. planning family time, being intentional with our time, not just, not just leaving space in the calendar, because if you leave space in the calendar, it could get filled. Right? Are you saying it takes a lot of work to rest well? Yes. Oh, say it again. <laughs> it, you're saying it takes a lot of work in order to rest well. Yes. Like there's to a have stri- margin. That's right. There's yeah. a striving. That's right. That's right. So sometimes you have to schedule those pockets of rest, schedule those pockets of time with family. Um, if you just leave it, if you just leave it open, then somebody will scribble in your margin. Right. You know, they'll fill yep. it up, and um, people will want you and need you, and they'll think that they need you, and they really need Jesus, and don't need you. You know, and um, so margin for mission, I love this value. I think it resonates, you know, with, with a lot of folks. Um, we don't want it to be a cop out as to, you know, um, for people to be lazy. Right. 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 Um, we want people to be spent for the Lord Jesus. We want people to be tired and exhausted at the end of their days because they stewarded their time. Well, um, the Lord gives sleep to his beloved and his mercies are new every morning. Uh, and so there's there's nothing wrong. It's actually good to be spent at the end of a day, um, but we don't want people to be operating at a deficit. deficit yeah. We don't want people to have to say, no, I can't help. No, I can't pray with you. No, I can't come visit with you. Um, uh, Andy Stanley once said he doesn't like to, he doesn't like when people say, oh, I know you're busy. Mm he doesn't like to be known as being busy. 
he likes to say, no, I'm not busy. I'm just intentional with my time. That's good. And that's really, I think that that embodies what I want for myself. Yeah. What I believe God wants for me is I don't want to be busy, but I want to be intentional with my time. So I may not have, I may have to say no to somebody else that wants me to come and come to their party, come to their wedding, come to their thing, because I've said yes to going to, to my son's ball game. Right. You know, right. Yeah. You know, whatever those things may be. But, but for us, it's margin for mission. So it's not margin for leisure. It's not margin for laziness. It's not mar. It's not margin for, you know, go do what it's, it's, it's margin so that you have some time, some space, some emotional capacity and some money to minister to people. It's good. Yeah. yeah. To be fully present, to see where God is already working. You can join him in that work and you yeah. can only do that when you have that margin. That's so. right. That's right. Timmy, if, if folks don't know if they have margin, what could they do to, to what could they do to determine, do I have any margin in my life? Yeah. I mean, you, you brought this up a couple of times uh, throughout the podcast is the idea that we don't live this Christian life alone, right? It, it's in community. And sometimes our self-awareness, we have blind spots. It's just not accurate, our own picture. And so I think asking the folks that know us best, Hey, like when you look at my life, do you think I'm, am I overly busy? I don't think I am, but do you think I am? And, and to get a more of a 3d picture of like what's going on in your life. So I think inviting um, the people closest to you to speak into your life with that's that. Good. Yep. That's good. Um, I think it's a simple review of a calendar Yeah, is a good way to do it. Um, we've got to be careful to not think about this in an oversimplistic way. And we've got to be careful not to cast judgment upon people based upon what we see. Uh, You know that image of the iceberg Mm -hmm. where the tip of the iceberg is above the water, but the majority of the iceberg is below the water. I think that, um, I think that's true in a lot of leaders lives Mm -hmm. um, in that the best leaders I know at, at face value on the surface may appear to be busy because they're accomplishing so much. Mm. But the best leaders I know are accomplishing so much because they're really disciplined it's good. in their margin, in their time, yep. in their rhythms of rest. Um, certainly, some leaders burn out because they don't have the wisdom and the discipline to know how to live with margin. Right. But I think I just want to caution folks from looking at high-capacity leaders and assuming they're too busy. Yep. No, they may appear too busy. They may appear to be getting a lot done because there's a lot under the surface, the iceberg that you don't see. There's space that they don't see, but it's there. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's and, good. and I think that that's, I think that's true. The hidden life fuels the public life. Mm. Right. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, so, so again, this is not so much for us to compare ourselves to other people. This isn't so much for us to cast judgment on other people. It's for us as a church to say, Hey, we believe God wants to bless you with, with a life at peace, not 
a life of frantic anxiety. Love that. So let's ha- let's let our yes be yes. Let's have wisdom with what we commit ourselves to. Let's take regular inventories of are we overcommitted? Uh, you know, it. Do we need to be on two two baseball teams? Uh, do we need to be on two boards of two different organizations? You know, do do we need to be taking two trips out of town this this week? Right. You know, on on and on and on. Do do we need do we need to build that screen porch on the back of the house? You know, mm. on and on and on. Uh, taking an inventory. Timmy, what final thoughts do you have as we think about margin for mission? So, um, by the time people listen to this. Um, most of the summer studies are going to be over, but I think there's one that's starting like right about when people are hearing this and it's pretty pertinent and it's Jonathan Vincent doing a series on Sabbath that he might be a little bit passionate about. I'm not sure. Can't He's tell. so fired up. <laughs> He's so fired up. He is so up. fired up. So there may be some space there, but that's a great resource. And I know like he dove deep into Sabbath. And so um, even if you're not part of the summer study, he will. T- he would love to talk to you on a Sunday morning about it. Um, but it's that, it's that same idea, that principle yes. of... Sabbath isn't just a weekly rhythm. It's it's a part of just um, cycle after cycle in our lives. That's good. So, I've heard it said, if you don't take a Sabbath, a Sabbath will take you. Yeah. And um, so that's great. You can text MISSION to 97000 right now. The menu will come up. You can click a number or respond with a number, and the menu will come up with our summer studies. You can register for Jonathan's summer study on the Sabbath. Timmy, great word, man. Hey, this has yeah. been fun. Well, uh, we got one more value to hit on, so uh, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Community groups at Real Life Sango are where strangers become friends and friends become family. You guys, you have been isolated for too long. You've been disconnected for too long. It's time for you to find your people. This fall, this September, we launch community groups. A message for some of you is, wait no longer, on the sidelines no longer, join a community group. I want you to be thinking about it, praying about it right now. More than that, commit in your mind and heart right now that the first day we launch community groups, you're going to sign up for one. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Jesus.